0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Uh, I'm glad that you are here at the 9:30. And as uh, Richard just prayed, my name is Daniel, I'm one of the pastors, and uh, it's good to be together today. Uh, we are in a sermon series this fall titled "Encountering Jesus." Uh, we're spending 12 weeks uh, looking at different encounters with Jesus in the four Gospels of the New Testament. And this morning, we're going to look at a per- perhaps a familiar story for many of you, uh, where Jesus enters a village and he's invited into the home of two sisters. Uh, One sister goes all hostess with the mostess. The other sister sits at Jesus' feet. And as they encounter Jesus, Jesus tells them one thing is necessary, which I'm sure it costs both sisters to perk up and listen. One thing is necessary. That is to say the thing, the most important thing. And so I want us to turn and listen to God's word this morning from Luke chapter 10. And as we do, may we encounter Jesus. And may we learn the one thing necessary. So if you will stand as we give attention to God's Word in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. This is God's Word. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. Thank you that we can slow down even in this moment and give our attention to you and to your voice and to your word this morning. You are a good shepherd. You are a good friend, and we need to hear from you. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing, and we would encounter you this morning, and we would learn the one thing necessary. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, this summer, uh, some of you know this, we brought on two new staff members, Mikael Harris and Grayson Reese, and both of them have been, yeah, clapping, clap for them. (laughs) Both have uh, been great additions to our staff team, doing an amazing job. Uh, They've also brought some much-needed fun and playfulness uh, to the culture of our team. And one of the things Mikael has started is a question of the day. Uh, We use Slack as a kind of a technology to communicate with one another, and uh, he poses a question of the day, and all the staff then give their individual answers. Well, a few weeks ago, he asked this question, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And at that moment, I thought it was quite an odd question, uh, but I answered every other week, and and I now know that this is a current question being talked about in pop culture, and so Mikel is not only bringing the fun, he's keeping us relevant as a church. But the first question he posed to our staff team was this. How low do you let your fuel tank go before you fill it up? Mikhail, a UNC grad, said 23 miles because of Michael Jordan. (laughs) Meredith Miller said 25 to to 40 miles left, but I start thinking about it around 100 miles left, which I thought, that's a great operations director. (laughs) A few people like Grayson and Reese and Bradley Moore and Fabian Anderson said, when it gets negative, I'll, I'll drive on E for a few days. Charles Sands, our worship director, said, I drive on faith. <laughs> so as we look at Luke 10 and our passage this morning, I want to ask a similar question but with a twist. How long do we live day-to-day spiritually running on empty? How much of our lifestyle and how we approach life threatens our relationship with God? If you were to take a quick account of your day-to-day living, how much of your life is filled up with distractions, busyness, noise, hurry, productivity, accomplishments, while your communion with Jesus and your spiritual vitality is running low? Do you live in such a way that your interior life, your heart, and your soul and relationship with Jesus is able to sustain your exterior life, your active living. Our passage is the story of two sisters, Martha and Mary encountering Christ. And many people will take, and maybe you've heard this before. I have people it goes, that, that's the way I've always heard this passage. Many people will take this story and they'll use it to pit these two sisters against one another. Martha, the busybody. Mary, the contemplative, prayerful one, and the application then is be like Mary. And when this happens, those who identify more with Martha hear the call to be like Mary as another thing to add to their already full to-do list. And it just creates more guilt and shame and ultimately anxiety to the already anxious soul. This passage, I don't think, is contrasting the active life versus the contemplative life. There is no hero and villain in this story. Both Martha and Mary deserve admiration. Martha is responsible. She's gifted in hospitality. Romans 12, 13 tells us that hospitality is a great virtue. Could have very well been Martha's hospitality that drew Jesus into their home. She's a leader. She's the one who comes out to greet Jesus. She's practical, practical. She's no-nonsense, she takes charge, she's decisive and capable. She is one of the 20% who does 80% of the work. Mary is also attending to Jesus, not in the kitchen, but in in the living room. And one thought consumed her, what could Jesus do for her? Martha has this very busy outer life, her exterior life is full, her capacity seems to be high. Mary is attentive to her interior life and she can receive from Jesus. So instead of pitting these two sisters against one another, another, I believe that Martha and Mary reflect back to us two God-created realities that live within each person, an exterior life of activity and service and ministry and an interior life of prayer, contemplation, and being with Jesus. Together they represent the whole life. We were all created with Martha and Mary in us. And every person here who identifies more with Martha needs a prayer life. Everybody here who identifies more with Mary needs to serve. So here's the question that I'm really asking this morning. Is your interior life, is your spiritual relationship with Jesus able to sustain your exterior life? All that you might do for Jesus Now, I'm I'm emphasizing your interior and your exterior life because we could put two people side by side who are doing the exact same things, but their heart and soul could look very different. Two people could both be leading a Bible study. Two people could both be serving the poor. But one person is doing it out of experiencing the love of Jesus and wanting to share the love of Jesus in their ministry. And the other person could be doing it to feel better about themselves. Two people could also both look like Mary. Both could be reading God's Word or praying. And one person could be doing it to be with Jesus. And the other person could be doing it to check it off their to-do list to feel better about themselves. So I'm not asking you to compare yourself against anyone else in the sanctuary or anyone who might come to your mind. Each of you are uniquely created by God. Each of you are uniquely wired with different gifts, with different personalities, with different bandwidths, living in different seasons of life now, and will live in different seasons in the future. And all of us are called to live in this world, yet we're called to live in a different way than the world. So I'm asking you to be honest with yourself about yourself. For where you find yourself right now is your interior life, your relationship with God, sustaining your exterior life. All that you are doing. In Luke 10, 38 to 42, Jesus enters the home of Martha and Mary. And it's here in the ordinary and mundane that Jesus meets them. And I find this pretty instructional, just to, as a side note, that it, because it's often in the ordinary and mundane where Jesus meets us and transforms our heart. He's in their home with these two sisters, and Martha, a very high functioning servant leader, invites Jesus into their home. But her interior life is not able to sustain her exterior life. How do we know that? Well, let's look more deeply at Martha. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Her service and her activity distracted her. Martha had a a to-do list a mile long, which was making her anxious, and she was dragged away from being with Jesus by her anxiety, and her serving becomes burdensome. Serving is good. But not if it drags us away and takes our attention off of Jesus. And then her distraction leads to Martha becoming full of self-pity. She asks Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Martha feels sorry for herself. She's the only one doing the serving. Martha's self-pity then gives rise to resentment. How dare Mary not help Martha in the serving, How dare she not be in the kitchen with her? And, and then her resentment of Martha leads to her demand, uh, her resentment of Mary leads to her demanding from Jesus, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And lastly, we see that this leads Martha to being full of self-righteousness. She is proud of her service. And she thinks Mary should be serving in the exact same way that she is. Distraction self-pity, resentment of others, demanding from God, self-righteousness. These are all indicators of Martha's interior life, and if present for us, our interior life is not able to sustain all of our busy doing. I don't know if you've ever thought this thought before. Other people, those people should be serving in the same way that you are. That other people's priorities should be the same as your priorities. That people should volunteer in the way that you do or work for justice in the way that you do or care for children in the way that you do. It is easy for all of us to begin to resent people who don't make our priorities their priority. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are fretting and fussing about so many things. And Jesus doesn't disapprove of Martha's activities He doesn't tell her to stop ministering and stop serving. It is her condemnation of Mary and her dissatisfaction with Jesus that moves Jesus to confront her. Martha is distracted and pulled away from a relationship with Jesus, which is the most important thing. So, let me come back to my question. Is your interior life sustaining your exterior activity? Saint Bernard of Clairvaux was a major leader and influencer of the church in Europe in the 11th and 12th centuries. Bernard of Clairvaux helped reform uh, the Benedictine order of monks, and he oversaw many monasteries and their ministries. An interesting thing about Bernard of Clairvaux is that he would not let men or women move into leadership in the church unless they had an interior life with God, a deeply contemplative, prayerful life of communion with Jesus. And many people under Bernard's leadership became bishops in the church, Significant leaders within the church who did a lot for Jesus. One person actually became the Pope. His name was Eugene the Third. And Bernard became concerned for Eugene the interior life and if he'd be able to cope with so much activity in being the Pope. And so he writes Eugene the Third a letter and he urges him: make sure that your relationship with God is able to sustain the demands of your call. Make sure your relationship with God is able to sustain the demands of your call. That is a great exhortation. Can I be a little bit transparent with you? Uh, we, we are 10 years uh, old as a church this year and is reflecting a year one of our church uh, as I was thinking about uh, this kind of application here. Uh, year one of our church, Timothy and I, uh, along with 30 others, uh, started meeting weekly, praying and hoping that God might plant and start this church And it was exciting as we stepped out in faith. We were utterly dependent on God to birth this church. And in those days, life and ministry was pretty simple. Uh, My job description was like, get to know and love the city, meet with people one-on-one for coffee and lunches and hang out at night. And then weekly, Timothy and I would lead a Bible study and a prayer meeting for 30 people. Uh, it, It was pretty simple and pretty beautiful. Now, 10 years later, here we are. And God has planted our church and he is establishing our church. And we have many more people who are a part of our church, praise the Lord. We have more ministries that are happening in our church. We have more structures of leadership that exist in our church, praise the Lord. My job description now versus 10 years ago is quite different. The demands of my call now are different than the demands of my call back then. And even more importantly than my job, I now have three awesome boys who are growing and getting bigger. And their lives are getting busier. And if I'm not paying attention to my relationship with God and my interior life, the busyness of family and ministry and the allure of having wonderful kids and having a successful ministry can threaten my heart and soul and relationship to Jesus. And I can and do find myself running on empty. So what are the things that God has called you to right now, to engage in? The demands of your call on your life. Is your interior life sustaining your exterior? We all live in a culture that is not Mary-like. We are hurried we're fast-paced, we're technologically distracted, we seek productivity and achievement, we are encouraged to value our lives on how we look and what we have and what we do. And we often live life on the run and we find ourselves spiritually running on empty. And Jesus enters just like he does with Martha, with a loving and gentle rebuke. Verse 41, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Now her double use, Jesus' double use of her name, it signifies tender care and personal love. He is not telling anxious Martha, get your act together, Martha, because he already knows that she's obsessed with her act. That's her problem. He lovingly says, Martha, Martha. There's one thing necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. So let's look at Mary. Verse 39. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. Sitting at the feet of someone is a a posture of submission. She is trusting that Jesus is the one who has and holds all authority in heaven and on earth. And she's listening, which means she's paying attention. Unlike Martha, who was distracted and pulled away from Jesus. Poet Mary Oliver wrote, attention is the beginning of devotion. She's paying attention. And this makes so much sense because the unnoticed can't possibly be loved. You see, Martha's hospitality and service might have been productive, but it wasn't loving worship. She was shoving Jesus to the side, and Mary has chosen the good portion, the one thing necessary, which is to be with Jesus, to dwell with Jesus. And she's listening and attentive specifically to Jesus' teaching. Mary's one of the first theology students in the New Testament. Bible and doctrine matter. As I talk about our interior life, it's important to remember that we must always be tethered to God's Word and to good doctrine. If we're not tethered to God's Word and good doctrine, we will find ourselves roaming the streets listening to all the wrong voices. We have to listen to the voice of God, and the way God speaks most directly is through His Word. Mary has chosen the good portion, which is to be with Jesus, to allow His presence and His love and His grace to fill her heart and her soul. What do you do to be with Jesus? What are you doing now to be with Jesus? One of my spiritual mentors said this, that we are overscheduled at work, underscheduled at home, and unscheduled when it comes to nourishing our souls. Everyone needs scheduling when it comes to being with Jesus, or else the Martha world of hurry, distractions, and productivity will fill our schedules for us. I was meeting with someone in our church last week and I was encouraging them to begin to discern what are the things that they really can do to connect and enjoy being with Jesus, to enjoy the presence of God. I was telling her, you know, some people enjoy praying in their metaphorical prayer closet being isolated and alone. And some people love to pray while they walk around outside in and, and a neighborhood or in, in a, on a trail or wherever it might be. And some people might enjoy reading God's Word out loud. Some people might enjoy reading it sil- silently. Some people might enjoy singing worship out loud. Others might enjoy listening to worship music. There is no one way to be with Jesus we're all invited to be with him. It is the one thing necessary. And and if you don't know where to start, maybe you've not kind of discerned what those things are that you really enjoy that draw you in to deep communion with Christ, let me encourage you just to check out our spiritual practices page on uh, our website. It's a good place to start. Uh, and you can, from there, discern and kind of build out what it looks like for you to schedule being with Jesus. Uh, Martha and Mary reflect back to us two God-created realities, an active life of living in this world for Jesus and a contemplative life of being with Jesus. The application of this text is not, don't be like Martha, be like Mary. Rather, it is to live in the world active in your calling, like Martha, with a Mary heart. So how do we do that? A.W. Tozer wrote, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what comes to your mind when you think about God? How do you view God? When you think about kind of examining your own life right now as I'm talking, do you you view God as though he's kind of tapping his foot, acting ready for you to just get your act together? Come on, what's your problem? Do you believe that God is kind of distant and removed, too busy, too crowded of a schedule to be bothered by you? How do you view God? I want to retell a parable that's familiar probably to many it's Luke 15, the parable of the two sons. Uh, Tim Keller called it the parable of the prodigal God. One son, the youngest, asked for his entire inheritance from his father. And uh, he wants to leave and wants to go live a, a self-indulgent life. The other son, the oldest, stays home and is obedient, serves the father, but he misses the whole time that he actually gets to be with the father. The youngest son, after squandering all the wealth, decides he wants to return home. That the best place to be is with the father. He begins his rehearsal speech about why the father should welcome him back in. And the father sees the son from a distance. And Luke 15 tells us that the father is filled with compassion. One translation says the father's heart was pounding for his son. I love that. That his heart was pounding for for his son, which then compels the father to run, wrap his son in his arms, hug him, kiss him, and throws a party for him. Is this how you view God? That his heart pounds for you? That his heart pounds for you not in anger but in love? That he wants nothing more than to be with you? being with Jesus and dwelling with Jesus and letting the hospitable Savior love you is the way that your interior life can sustain your exterior. It's also the way that we can live differently in the world and how we can be the church in the world. I've been watching or just finished up actually this past week the TV show The Bear. Uh, And bad language great show. Uh, the premise of the show is that Carmy, known as the bear, uh, is taking over the original beef sandwich shop that was his brother Michael's, and Michael left it to Carmy after he died. And in the second season, uh, Carmy and the staff decided to turn uh, the original beef sandwich shop into a high-end dining restaurant. Carmi was previously the chef at a three-star Michelin restaurant ranked number one in the world. And Carmi always dreamed of he and Michael running this fine dining restaurant together. In the second season, an uh, episode titled Forks, Carmi's cousin Richie goes back to the three-star Michelin restaurant where Carmi was the chef. And he's a stodge for, for nine days, which means he's simply watching and listening and learning about this incredible restaurant. His mentor is a 30-year-old guy named Garrett. And, and Richie, who for the whole show, season one into two, has kind of been against Carmi's desires to change and better the restaurant. And while being a stodge, Richie begins to awaken to the beauty of being part of such an incredible place. He begins to see that a great restaurant is much more than just serving good food. It was providing a magical experience for people. And so he asks Garrett why, Garrett, why do you buy into this restaurant? Why do you buy into all the values, the hard work, the excellence of the culture of this place? And this is what Garrett said. He said, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I found a lot of healing for myself, and I found a lot of healing for others as they are a part of this place. And then he said, I think this is why restaurants and hospitals use the same word, hospitality. And as I watched and listened to that scene, I thought about, our church. Christ Central, we're a church, which means we are in the hospitality industry. We are a hospital offering a place for the sick and the wounded and the hurting and the broken to come and to receive healing from Jesus. And yes, we serve people, but we do so not by giving people ourselves, but through offering up the one thing that is necessary to be with and to encounter Christ. Christ. Mark 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the hospitable Savior who gave his life and death so that he might welcome us into the family of God and to be loved and redeemed as children of God. His heart pounds for you. As we dwell with Jesus, we then can do for Jesus without the threat of running on empty. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would meet us and transform our hearts, that we might be with you and enjoy being with you so that as you send us out on this world, we might live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.